Tala Falava, and welcome to episode two of Tama Samoa, Samoans in the NRL. Our last episode journeyed through the evolution of Samoan players in the NRL over the years and touched on why cultural identity matters. In this episode, we'll hear about some of the challenges facing Samoan players in the league. They've had to navigate cultural differences, homesickness and stigma that comes from struggles of mental health. But ultimately, those experiences have helped them to shape the league for the next generation of Pacifica players. Cultural identity. Sensationalised in the media, Samoan and other Pacifica players are consistently asked to choose between their heritage and where they were born and raised. Can you be a proud Australian and still be proud of your Samoan heritage? What's your take on this controversial decision for Brian Tull to choose Tour Samoa rather than Australia for the Rugby League World Cup? Well, the first question is, you know, controversial for who, right? Because to us... Yeah. You know, that's not controversial. Kamaru just wants to play for his anger. You know, it's actually, you know, now what's for dinner? You know what I mean? It's not a topic of conversation, but it's actually controversial for a lot of people that have never seen it before because it's just a new ground that we've just broken. It's like, wait a minute. So you're saying that Australia more than likely will want you to play for them, but you don't want to play for Australia, even though you're born. Mm. And it's like all the MMT boys. What do you mean you don't want to play Origin and you want to go play for Tonga against the Kiwis? What? Wait a minute. And so for a lot of people that come through an um, Australian sort of centric system, Origin was the best. It was the best of the best. And their tagline back in the 80s and 90s used to be the best of the best, right? Made against mate, stayed against state. You want to see the best players, you come watch Origin. They've actually taken that best, best players sort of line out of it. And they took it out a few years ago because you don't have the best players anymore. Sonny Bill never played Origin. Benji never played Origin. Sam Burgess never played Origin. There's a whole heap of English and Kiwi internationals that have never played. So if these guys, you know, if Joe Manu is one of the best players in the comp now but doesn't play Origin, then you can't say Origin is the best of the best. You know what I mean? So they're like, oh, okay, we're done. We've actually got to change how we see that event now. And I think that ripple effect is still flying on because a lot of old systems are breaking down. Because people go, wait on, everyone who plays for Origin, their first choice is Australia. What do you mean it's not this first choice? You know, and so for a lot of people, they can't comprehend that. But from a Pacific point of view, well, it makes sense to us. It's like, yeah, sweet, all good. If you want to play for Saga, go play for Saga. If you want to go, you know, play for Australia, go play for Australia. You know, so it's for us, it's like, I think we're a lot more open because for generations and generations, our people have always conform to the other side of the ledger right and the other side of the ledger and in, in whatever case in whatever industry or environment they've actually become accustomed to the traffic only being one way well now the traffic's actually going back the other way they're like oh i've never encountered this before and that's why it's controversial right that was nigel vangana responding to brian Tull's decision to play for tour samoa Avaseo Manufangai, a Kiwi who has called Australia home for many years, is happy to see great players like Tool representing Samoa. This pride in culture transcends beyond just a player as an individual. It is an outward expression to the world, a declaration of gratitude and tribute to the generations that came before 
and the sacrifices and challenges they overcame. A literal and symbolic shout out. Look fam, we out here. We did it. We made it. There's just something different when you do represent Samoa. Uh, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of pride, especially from our parents and grandparents and, you know, seeing guys like Brian, it's really, you know, I'm really, really stoked from to, to pledge his allegiance somewhere. Now, there is a genuine choice. Improvements in the game have helped remove some of the risks that previously stopped players from choosing their heritage. Things like insurance covering injuries so that the NRL contracts are not void if they became injured whilst playing for the Mickey Mouse Nations. Something that past Samoan players never had. Their contribution to the game and voice matters. Nigel is one of those voices who really made an impact as a player and as a mentor later in the game, becoming an NRL welfare and education officer. There are a lot of cultural nuances that the league didn't understand. One of those nuances is that as Samoans, we are expected to share everything. And most importantly, the unspoken law. Don't you dare say no to mum and dad. Ever. Massive. Say no to mum and dad. Yeah. Even people that aren't playing in the air, you know. Like, I'm not, I don't know how you are with your parents, but for the most part, oh, no. man, I'm not telling dad he can't dress like that. You know what I mean? I'm not telling dad I'm not going to give $300 for that for that wedding, even though I can't afford my rent now and I'm eating noodles for a week. So one of the things we used to do was say to them, does this player have an older brother, older sister? Oh, yeah, he's like the youngest out of 10. Okay, well, go to number one and number two and have a chat with them. <laughs> and then they can relay it to mum and dad. Oh, you know that he can't take all his training gear because he needs it for training. Otherwise, he's going to get fined. It's not like, you know, I'm not an alpha man. You know, those are me. And we all had it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I kind of need it for my road run tomorrow. But you're my uncle or you're my dad. So, yeah, take it. He's I'm not going to say no. no. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go to training and you get in trouble. And then what the trainers and the clubs see is like, man, this guy didn't even bring his shoes. He didn't bring his, because the, the guys would be too mad to share with them. Yeah. Oh, he didn't even bring his shoes, didn't bring his training gear. You know what? This guy doesn't care. So you know what? Let's cut him. You know, on one side, they saw, I guess, one viewpoint, right? On the player side was another. But what they actually didn't have was that person who understood both that could bridge the gap. So a lot of the stuff I was doing behind the scenes was trying to build that capacity across the game. Nigel was instrumental in starting the long journey of building the capacity to bring people into the space of bridging that gap. An advocate which players like Nigel never had. The game has evolved over the years with the NRL taking a more holistic well-being of players which includes cultural identity. Joan Aluval, who is now a programme deliverer at the Panthers, continues to be that voice for many players empowering the connection to their cultural identity and strengthening that sense of belonging as a minority group. There's an appetite now for making sure that you know, the game is engaging positively with our Pacific and Māori players. And like some of them over, probably, you know, over the course of the last few months in terms of multicultural round. Now, we never had that round 
So uh, using that round as a you know vehicle for our bus speaker players and multiplayers to you know be proud of their their heritage and their ethnicity and um, and as recent as the last few weeks where you know we're developed Samoan and Māori Tongan, you know, language courses for our players to take, you know, and I think um, a lot of our, our players, you know, identify as Samoan, Tongan, and, but, you know, a lot of them probably didn't grow up in, like, a traditional home, uh, and I think that's one of the issues that, especially, you know, for our, a lot of our Pacifica players and, and just generally uh, our youth, that disconnection living outside of places like New Zealand, uh, where here in Australia they're a minority, and, and, you know, they wanted to connect back. I think the game has kind of been able to um, use that feedback in order to make sure that our Pacific players uh, have that connection and sense of belonging. Now, Samoans can have some long ass names. I know, I have one. For Joshua Pali, it was the commentator's poor pronunciation of his very Samoan last name. So when I first come into first grade back in 2010-11, they had this competition called Toyota Cup where the 20s played before the the first grade team and um, commentators just never gave it a go back then and I would always address them, you know, it's pronounced Papali and, you know, they stuck with Papali for a long time and I just felt like a, a lot of Polynesian kids coming through and, you know, really dominating the NRL at the moment and, you know, I sort of asked the uh, media team at, at Canberra just to maybe fix it before I finish my career. So I'm glad all the commentators are, are really buying into uh, pronouncing all the the Samoan last name is probably now. Someone who knows all too well about having a very Samoan last name is Bulldogs player Avasil Manufangai. For him, being homesick really hit hard when he moved from New Zealand to Australia as a youngster. It, it is a really big thing, being homesick. And it's, I think a big thing is it's just, it's a different culture as well because being Samoan, being Kiwi, it's not going to always be a Kiwi house or a Samoan house that you move into. So sometimes like, in my case, I went into an Australian uh, lady that was Australian, lovely lady. But it's it's just a different culture, and I think that was uh, something that I had to adapt to. As an older player, when he moved to the UK League, he found that connecting with other Samoans and Pacifica players helped him feel at home. Every team's got a couple Kiwis or a couple, you know, Samoans, Tongans, Fijians, and you just naturally you just you get together and. You have common ground with someone and and you usually have a crew, you know. And then there's other teams that aren't so far away and those boys, you know, those boys, you end up coming together. I think that's so important, especially over there. You need um, familiarities and, you know, you can share your culture with people as well when you're there too. Even in 95, a younger Nigel playing for the Warriors noticed... Anytime they played in Australia, all the Samoan Pacifica players for the Australian team were always hanging out with them instead of their own teams. When I started playing at the Warriors in, in 95, in those early years, and we'd go to different teams, we'd play in Canberra, and the Kiwi boys would come over to us after the Kalunga. They'd go, man, it's awesome to see heaps of brown faces. You know, it's been a while. You know, what's it like this? What's it like that? You know, da da da. And then even after the games, they all used to come and hang out with us and not their own team. Because at the Warriors, we were like about nearly you know, 80% or something, 90% brown, you know, so they felt like a piece of home, you know, and I always remember that, shucks, man, 
those boys over there, I remember leaving the next day after the game, we'll go back to the airport or whatever, and thinking, man, those guys must be lonely over here. There's only like two or three of them. The strong bond as a collective society is good in many ways, but it can be a double-edged sword. We share the wins, but it also means we carry the downfall. The perception that if you fall, you bring shame to not only you, but your family. A common issue players face in any sport is substance addiction. Leo Tonoi was candid about his experience as a young player in the early 90s. So I had a lot of problems off the field in terms of drug abuse, and that was hidden from my family as I grew up. They, they never knew I was still drug addicted when I was playing. It's just, I'm sorry to say that. And I can assure you there's, there's kids that are in my same predicament. So I don't mind saying it because I want the kids to understand that they can make it without the drugs and all of that. Isolation from family, friends and culture can create conditions that make players more susceptible to addiction. Past players like Rene Maitua, Matautia brothers sharing their struggles with mental health and suicide helps to remove stigma around talking about the hard realities that players face. Supporting players with their mental health is something the league is getting better at with the support of those first-gen Pacifica players. Joe shares his experiences with young players so that they feel understood. In my role over the last two years being in this space, it's amazing how many, you know, from NRL right down to our juniors that have come and approached it to me. And even before I came into this role, like, you know, I've been able to kind of speak to players or well, they approached me purely from a cultural perspective. They just knew, oh, you know, hey, listen, I can relate. He knows that I you know, relate to him not only because I was a past player and I understand systems, but also culturally, you know, those things. I've always wondered if our Pacifica players were getting help with managing their money. Financial literacy in the Pacifica community is a real challenge. I know all too well that what an Aussie paycheck goes on can be worlds apart from how a Samoan paycheck is spent. We share everything. Money is no different. And that can sometimes be a hard reality to navigate in Samoan culture. Like there's enough programs and place and resources available to you know players you know it's um it's two sides of the coin is obviously um, the resource available to players but also the players to understand you know their responsibility and i think obviously we're a collectivist society it's not just buying towards contract it's you know buying yeah. towards mom dad because an extended family you know and that's finding that balance and i think it's educating you know our communities as well and but there's definitely um you know, we're pushing players in terms of making sure that they look after themselves first, I think, you know, and again, yeah. it goes against our, again, collectivist ideals in terms of flexibility as a child where, you know, hey, we say, listen, if you can look after yourself and be sensible and responsible with your bed or your money and, and invest it. These terms were never used when I was growing up, you know, like, mm. oh, this what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Now, I live in Penrith, Western Sydney, and whether you follow NRL or not, everyone knows the Samoan boys from Penrith Panthers. One of them, Samoan-born Stephen Crichton, always proudly representing the area, Mount Druitt, and his Samoan heritage. 
One thing that's pretty cool to see is how you and the other Samoan athletes and the PI athletes have really changed the way Australians see Western Sydney. How important is it to you being that positive role model to young kids from the area? Yeah, nah, it's really important. And me and the boys talk about it a lot, especially the boys from Maoni. Basically, most of the Polynesian boys at Penrith, me, Mose Spencer, Romy, Biza, we talk about it a lot that every time we play, we're playing for our people back in Samoa and our people where we came from, uh, which is Mount Jordan. We try and um, set a good example for those people because growing up, if you're from Mount it's like hard to make it to grade. There was only like two people that made it to um, NRO when we were younger. And I think um, this is like the type of pathway that we're trying to make. There's so many of us now playing in our role and the only thing that's stopping the young kids is their choices and the, the group of friends that they put themselves around, especially with a lot of the violence that's going on now with um, the younger generation. We just want to set that example that they can make it and it'll be, it'll be good for them because um, it gives back to their parents as well and they're, they're playing probably their favourite sport as their dream job as well. It's funny. As a young girl growing up in New Zealand, I used to be so embarrassed to say I was born in Samoa. I remember I hated when kids used to call me a freshie or a fob. I vividly remember one day when a kid on the playground asked where I was born. Without missing a beat, hand on hip, eyebrows raised, mustering my best white girl voice, Middlemore Hospital in Auckland, duh. No, mate. I was born in Matotua Hospital in the Bia Samoa. So to see these young Samoan players like Stephen being proud of his Samoan heritage is a good message to other young Samoan kids. It's cool to be Samoan. We'll end today's episode with another Samoan pearl of wisdom, Leo's favourite Samoan proverb, Oleala ile pule, ole tautua, meaning the pathway to leadership is through service. Join us next time in our last and final episode of Tamasa Moa, Samoans in the NRL, where we explore more on the meaning of this proverb and we look ahead to the bright future for Samoans in the NRL. You've been listening to Tamasa Moa, Samoans in the NRL. I'm Joyce Mataya. Thanks to Yana Lafuai and SBS Samoan. You can get more episodes of Tamasa Moa on the SBS radio app at sbs.com dot au slash tamasamoa or on your favorite podcast app.